like the Soho scene. Talk is incidental, it's there to fill the space. Someone's making millions as she gets it in the face. She tries to break away, but she can't shake off the high. From passing easy money and the drugs that they supply. Hello and welcome to the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at citr.ca. Today is June the 22nd, or in if you're listening in podcast form, maybe it's already the 23rd or the 24th. Either way, uh, we are uh, brought to you here every week as your uh, weekly arts and culture fix. That was an odd sentence. We are brought to you here every week. I don't know why I said that, but I did. And um, and it's no longer just the the arts report. It is now the award winning arts report. Um, don't know if you heard on last week's show, but we are we're certainly still buzzing from uh, the announcement last week that uh, the arts report has won uh, for CITR um, an award from the National Community Radio Association for the category of. Uh, local talent development, which means that we support uh, artists in the community uh, by giving them a platform on the radio. And uh, the National uh, Community Radio Association thought that the Arts Report did this. It supported local artists better than any other community uh, radio station in Canada. So huge honor, and we're all just still tickled from that announcement and uh, and we're very excited to keep going because it just you know it just puts a little more gas in the tank and and makes us more motivated to to do what we think is right which is to interview our artists in Vancouver who let's face it don't get a lot of attention from the mainstream media you know whether it's CTV or global or even the CBC well, the CB, radio, CBC Radio does a better job, but CBC TV, certainly TV does not do an awesome job. It does not do even an average job. It does a pretty crappy job of covering uh, local uh, you know, playwrights, musicians, uh, dancers, filmmakers, um, etc., etc. So we are happy to, to fill that void in Vancouver, and we hope to do even a, a better job of it uh, every single week, week after week. So um, so we thank you as, as listeners of the show, because we can't do it without you, or I guess it would be pointless. <laughs> it would be pointless without you. So thank you for making it a point. Um, we have a, a great show for you uh, today, including an interview for a film called Beginners, which stars Ewan McGregor and Christopher Plummer. And um, it's a really interesting story that includes a 75-year-old father after decades of, of marriage and, um, and a recent diagnosis of cancer, uh, decides to come out of the closet and tell his son that he is gay. And this is a 75-year-old man. And this isn't just a movie. It's, uh, it's a true story. That is to say, the writer Mike Mills, that, that's what his father um, 
did. That's, that, that was his father's life. That was his uh, sort of journey in life. And so he took that journey and, um, and kind of transformed it into, um, into a movie and got these amazing actors to be in the film. So we'll hear from him. We'll also tell you about the Verona Project, which is an interesting new spin on uh, Romeo and Juliet, the Shakespeare uh, classic. Um, the director and the cast of, of this show have taken this script and uh, retooled it, uh, edited it, did did it, it. Wow, there's a lot of dids in that edit, uh, but that's how much work they put into it, folks. Yep, that much. Um, so the, anyway, they um, they they kind of gave it a fresh spin, took the script and chopped it up, and um, brought it to the 21st century. And so we'll hear about that uh, as well. You know, after last week's show. It was a pretty quiet week uh, from Wednesday to Wednesday. Let's see. What did I do on Wednesday? Okay, there was the show, and then after the show... Oh, right, I, I went to watch the, the hockey game, and then there was a uh, hellish riot. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, big, big, uh, big happenings between last week's show and this week's show. And you know what? I'm not going to really talk about it because it's been, it's been just flogged to death on uh, local and national and sometimes international media, so there's no need to contribute to the cacophony. Um, but all I will say is that the whole thing, this whole experience has been a very interesting anthropological experiment um, because it's... Well, obviously, when the riot is happening and you're looking around and you're like, what is wrong with you people? And you you see them sort of flailing about like some sort of... Um, marsupials and you're thinking what what species are you people jumping up and down like this and so that's interesting and then and then you have the reaction which was very interesting the you know the vengeance they're like we want to punish these people and 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 the horror and the shame like oh no our city our city has been shamed in the eyes of the world we will never be the same why can't they love us again and that's certainly very interesting about about Vancouver, and I think about Canadians too. You know, it's like it's like, what will the world think of us? We need to we need to change back our reputations in the world because they they, they don't like us anymore. You know, it's the, that kind of uh, self esteem crisis that it's caused has been very interesting to watch on the TV and 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 listen to on the radio. You know, this this great fervor to restore our reputation when I'm not exactly convinced that our reputation is is really in tatters. I mean, is this the only place in the world that has had? riots or or violence in the streets i mean what about paris i remember a few years ago probably every year but i remember a few years ago they had you know uh, an episode where where in immigrants uh, neighborhoods their cars were being torched you know like dozens of cars uh, every weekend or maybe every night um did that ruin Paris's reputation? Uh, did people stop going there because they were afraid of it? Uh, no. Last I checked, uh, France was still the number one tourist destination in the world. Or, you know, and I could just go on and on with, with places in the world where, where things happen. I was going to swear for a second, but SS happens anywhere. It can happen to anyone in any city, in any place of the world. And, and you know what? That's life. And so, anyway, it's just been interesting to watch people's reactions. And then... And then, uh, you know, and then there was that outpouring of, of uh, support for the police, you know, put, people putting stick-it notes on the cars, thanking them, also writing on the, the plywood that covered up store windows, people were writing messages of goodwill, although 
Oh, yeah. Messages mostly of goodwill, but one I noticed, uh, this was across the entire front, you know, street of, of the bay, across the entire block, uh, across the building. And in huge letters across, like, ten different plywood sheets, it was written, To the vandals, we will get you all exclamation point exclamation point which i kind of found slightly ominous like what are we going to do to these people are we going to hang them in um in in robson square like uh we will get you all and of course and that and that turns me to the final uh or the or the the current sort of phase that's be that's very interesting to watch is is this thirst for for blood like for for vengeance uh and and the main area that this is happening is on facebook where where people are getting people who are implicated in the riots so so you know photos of people giving the thumbs up or putting a you know gas soaked rag into a police car and trying to set it on fire these people are being not only uh you know villainized and attacked but um, some of them are afraid uh, for their safety and, and have moved out of their houses and um, have made tearful apologies saying that their, their reputations are forever, uh, you know, screwed. They're down the drain because from now on, anybody can Google for the rest of eternity because, you know, Google keeps things forever. And um, for the rest of eternity, these people's names will be associated with what they did in the riot. So... Yeah, very interesting, very interesting uh, world we've lived in for this last week. And it's hard to believe that, um, you know, uh, on Monday, uh, on Monday I was I was listening to the radio and they said, you know, last week it was Game 6 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I thought, holy crap, Game 6 was just over a week ago when everybody was like, yes, we're going to win the Cup. And, uh, you know, Canucks fever was seemed like so much fun. And here we are just barely a week later and, and just sort of exhausted and, uh, and just kind of sick of, of hockey and playoffs. You know, I've heard some people say that they never want Vancouver to make it to the finals ever again. And you know what? I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But anyway, I promised I wouldn't talk about the rides, but then I did for about five minutes. So I guess, uh, I guess we should get on with uh, the show. Ah, but before we get into interviews, uh, we want to give some tickets away. We want you to have some tickets, and we want to do that right now. And uh, we want to give you tickets to a a theater festival that's happening in uh, Port Moody over the weekend on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And it's a really cool sort of three-day bundle of unique short works of uh, drama, comedy, movement, uh, musical theater. Um, yeah, wrapped wrapped in a nice little package. So for the price of admission, you can show up on uh, on the Thursday night and, uh, and get a nice uh, bundle of plays. Same for Friday and Saturday. Each night is uh, featured different works within they have a lovely little bar in uh, in the sort of lobby area I think it's called the Galleria uh, we'll have a, there will be pre-show live music which will be a lot of fun and uh, actually one of the performers uh, this is on the Thursday night um, is one of the performers is uh, Anton Lipovetsky who 
is an arts report uh, graduate, or or uh, I don't know how to put this. He's been on the show. Okay, uh, he was uh, Anton was on the show f- to promote the park, which was happening at Studio Fifty Eight, uh, which was a great show. Received a lot of acclaim this past year, and uh, and I can tell you, he's a very trustworthy artist, very talented, and uh, so he'll be there on the opening night. And he's doing Flop, which is a new one man musical uh, written and directed by by Anton. So that's pretty dang cool. So we want to give you a pair of tickets to to see this. Regularly, um, tickets are $15 for each evening or $40 for a three-night pass. But uh, we want to send you to any one of those nights, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, uh, you and your friend, uh, for $0. Uh, that's June 23rd to the 25th. That's this Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And this is happening at 100 Newport Drive in Port Moody, which is in the lovely little Newport Village area. Anyway, uh, let's let's give those tickets away. But we're not going to do it by phone. This is the thing. Um, there's uh, three different ways to get in touch with us. Uh, either email us, and that's at arts at citr.ca right now. It's the f- first person to do it, so so get on it right now. That's arts at citr.ca, arts at citr.ca. Or you can do it on Twitter, and all you have to do is uh, mention our name on Twitter, which is um, citr arts report, citr underscore arts report. If you mention us um, in a tweet saying, I want tickets, or I'm listening and I want tickets, um, we'll give it to you, but you do have to be the first one to do it so do it right now go fast go fast go fast or you can do it on our facebook page which is called uh, arts report on citr and you can just uh post post on our page um that uh that you want those free tickets and uh and uh we will give them to you um, I don't know. Depending on the response, maybe we'll give maybe we'll, we'll give a pair of tickets to each uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and and email, or just one. So uh, there's really good odds, really good chances for you to win these tickets. You just gotta go on your computer and do that right now. So that's arts at citr.ca, or on Twitter, you just have to type in arts report into the search bar. You'll find us. Give us a mention from your Twitter feed saying hi, I'm listening, I want tickets, or on Facebook and just post on 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 the. Our support wall and say I want those free tickets to see Shift a One Act Festival this weekend, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Uh, by the way, on the Thursday night, I would recommend the Thursday night simply because uh, there's going to be a lovely uh, reception with wine and chocolate, and uh, that will be delicious and uh, and head spinny if you drink enough of it. So that should be a lot of fun. So so get in touch with us uh, right now, and we'll give you a pair of tickets to the Shift One Act Theater Festival 2000. And 11 presented by Pacific Coast Terminals and 100.5. Oh, uh, arrival station we shall not name. No, just kidding. It's 100.5 The Peak. Those are their sponsors, and uh, and they've been kind enough to supply some tickets to us here at the Arts Report. So, so uh, do get in touch. So, there's a new play coming to Pacific Theatre called The Verona Project. It's an ill-fated love story involving two adversarial families set in an Italian town called Verona. The main characters are teenagers. They are named Juliet and... uh, What's that say? 
Romeo, Romeo, and and the theme of the show. Okay, okay, so it's not exactly a new story. Yes, it is Romeo and Juliet, but the Verona Project offers a new spin on Shakespeare's classic. Adapted by the director, uh, Alan Franey, and the cast, it looks at the classic love story from a wider lens and with a more contemporary sensibility. Aslam Hussein plays Romeo, and I asked him why should people see yet another performance of a play that's been done a million times? And here's what he said. That's exactly why you should come and see it. Because so many times you see Romeo and Juliet and you know the story. You know, I mean, Romeo and Juliet has had a million spin-offs and take-offs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been represented in every kind of medium in the arts. Um, so everyone knows the story. But I think when people produce Romeo and Juliet, they produce it with that in mind. And mm-hmm. so the emphasis is on the kind of uh, the production, the kind of yep. vision for the play. So either they do something interesting with the conflict, mm-hmm. like it's, an, it's a, you know, like they do Israel versus Palestine or something really controversial like that, which yeah. becomes the focus of the play. So the story tends to become sort of, you know, uh, less interesting because everyone takes for granted that everyone knows the story. Mm-hmm. But Evan, our director, has cut the play in half. And, uh, and he's done it in such a way that it really clips along. Okay. And so it's all about the story. Now, he and didn't the telling just cut it down the middle, did he? <laughs> no, no, he didn't. That would be interesting. I think then it would just be a comedy. <laughs> right. Because uh, Romeo and Juliet's very much structured like that. It's, yeah. it's very kind of light and funny mm-hmm. in the first half. And then all of a sudden, when Mercutio dies, mm-hmm. it just becomes this tragedy. Yeah, it takes a turn. But Evan and all of us really want the play to, to clip along and be like this sort of, you know freight train now is the language still the, the language is still there okay. yeah so it's it's only adapted insofar that it's been cut mm-hmm. in pieces okay um so the the language is still the same and um so yeah if if someone said to me oh i don't want to come see romeo and juliet because mm-hmm. i've seen it a million times before i'd say come see this because we're telling it in a way that you haven't seen it being yeah. told because we're we're just telling the story very well hmm. now know? tell me more about that i understand there's there's more emphasis on the you know the city the more sort of the community, community aspect tell me yeah. about that well we're we're setting it in modern times we're mm-hmm. setting it as though it could be in vancouver okay uh and so we're not doing anything very specific with the conflict the idea is that you know the capulets uh, Juliet's family, they're kind of rich. They're old money. Mm. Uh, and the Montagues are this kind of like new upcoming money. So okay. they're a little dirtier, a little raunchier, you know. They're, okay. they're, um, they're not as, uh, you know, well-respected as the Capulets. Okay. So e- east side versus west side? Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what we're going for. Okay. So, you know, the uh, Montagues are kind of hipstery and, okay. and the Capulets are sort of more well-dressed. And, yes. You know. Uh. Um, Sweaters and tennis rackets. Exactly, yeah, that kind of thing. Which works with the the script. There's always this sense that, you know, the Capulets have a lot more money, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because they host the ball, you know, that's where Romeo and Juliet. So they're more aristocratic. That's right, yeah. Um, So, yeah, we're really focusing on the on the community. Mm-hmm. And because Pacific spe- uh, Theatre is such an interesting space because it's so small and intimate. And, and the way it has the audience sort on of... On both facing, sides. Yeah, on both and sides facing, facing each other. other. Yes, That's right. stage in the middle. Yeah, and because it's such a small space, mm-hmm. and we have, I think there's 10 people in the cast, you can actually create 
a sense of a crowd, ah. which you can't in a lot of theaters, you know, mm. especially if you're seeing a show in Proscenium Arch, you know, mm. you're just looking at the show, you know, it's like watching a TV. You don't, you don't get that sense that you're in the crowd, but yep. the Pacific theater, you really do. Okay. So we're really focusing on, on that, on the community on the friends of, of Romeo and Juliet and on the family. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah. Now tell me about, uh, Romeo. Tell me about this, this part. It's, um, it's uh, if anything, it's it's about um, well, love. Um, how do you how do you get into this role? Do you uh, do you do you channel your own uh, past uh, and, and present well, loves, or what do you what do you do? You know, I'm I'm not one of those actors yeah. who likes to talk about his process a lot, but you know, uh, I think for anyone tackling Romeo or Juliet, it's tough because these are the most iconic lovers ever. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I mean, so, but I think you have to get past that. And, and, uh, you know, Romeo and Juliet are supposed to be quite young. Yeah. Romeo's about, you know, he's in his, his teens and Juliet is 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, our Juliet is much older than that. <laughs> She's older than me and I'm, you know, 25. Um, but we don't want to try and play youth. Right. You know, I just, I think you're not trying to play kids. You're not trying to be no, kids. No, I think what's more interesting to me and our director is, you know, when you fall in love, even when you're older, mm-hmm. you can become very youthful. Mm. You can all of a sudden the whole rest of the world disappears, and you're just you know uh, besotted with this one person, and that turns you into this kind of young mm-hmm. you know person with a lot of energy. Yeah, and an I think optimism. that's an optimism. I think that's more interesting to me. Someone who is more mature, who's turned into this kind of youthful, mm-hmm. you know, passionate kind of person. Mm-hmm. And how about, um, like you say, it starts out very comedic and light and mm-hmm. then takes a dark turn and becomes very tragic. Um, is that, um, is that exhausting uh, as an actor to, uh, it's an exhausting play. You know, we just did a, our first stumble through yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, in the rehearsal process and it's exhausting. <laughs> it really is, you know, and, in the beginning, it is very light, but then all of a sudden, it does just spiral downwards. And um, I think that's what's what's so great about Evan cutting it is that it really does clip along, mm-hmm. and um, and you don't really see the end coming because it just happens so, so fast. Mm-hmm. You know, and Tybalt's murdered, and yeah, it's. Uh, but it, as an actor, it is exhausting. Hmm. Romeo does kind of disappear in the second half, though, because he gets exiled to right. Mantua. Um, so you can take a breather. <laughs> I can take a bit of a breather. But, you know, the action never really stops. And uh, like I said, I think that's why it's so great that Evan's, you know, cut some of mm-hmm. it. Because it does really clip along. Hmm. Is there anything else you'd want to say about the show? Um, we're doing some really cool fights. fights. It's going to be very sort of visceral and, and gruesome. You know, not, not over the top, but mm-hmm. it's uh, very realistic and... Um, it's going to be a really engaging show. I'm really excited. About cool. It. Let me just quickly ask you about that. Um, th- what kind of? Tell me about the fight. The because uh, you know Shakespeare does have some good. Battles. Well, <laughs> there may or may not be a gun. I don't want to. You know, uh, I don't want to make. There, I don't want. There's going to be a really cool effect. So I don't want to put any spoilers out there. Okay. Um, but uh, most of the fighting is hand to hand. We've got a great uh, fight director, Reese Finnick. Uh, who's also an actor, he's playing Tybalt, Mm -hmm. and he's just created some really interesting and funny and aggressive fights. 
There you go. So you should see it because there is violence. And yes, all that uh, good, great theater stuff as well. But the violence, I tell you. Anyway, the Verona Project runs June the 29th until July 2nd at 8 p.m. There's a matinee on Saturday, July 2nd at 2 p.m. Tickets are $11.50 in advance or pay what you can at the door. Reservations are available from the Pacific Theatre box office and uh, the Pacific Theatre is at 1440 West 12th Avenue and their phone number is 604-731-5518. You can also go to our website citr.ca and, and find that that same number and ticket information there. So check it out. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll tell you about beginners. Punks and his punks are coming to the Waldorf Cabaret. The homoerotic power pop outfit will be headlining a show that features four great bands from the Bay Area on Monday, June 27th. They'll be joined by Sunny and the Sunsets, Shannon and the Clams, and Sandwiches. Doors are at 8 p.m. Advanced tickets are available via ticketweb.ca. To learn more, go online to waldorfhotel.com. That's Hunks and His Punks with Sunny and the Sunsets, Shannon and the Clams, and Sandwiches. Monday, June 27th at the Waldorf Cabaret. I kind of think you must be retarded. You don't like rock and roll. I don't want to leave you broken hearted, but you don't like rock and roll. And we are back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. Beginners is a film that explores relationships between young lovers old lovers, and family relationships like fathers and sons. It's written and directed by Mike Mills and includes the 75-year-old father character coming out of the closet after 44 years of marriage. Far-fetched, you say? Well, Mike wrote this story based on his own father. In the film, the father is played by uh, Christopher Plummer and the son by Ewan McGregor and his girlfriend played by Melanie Laurent from Inglorious Bastards. Um, yeah, so uh, I talked to Mike and we talked about relationships, uh, of course, obviously, and we also talked about uh, casting such fine actors in, uh, in his movie. But first, when I read out the tagline for the film, Mike became a teeny bit uncomfortable. Have a listen. So the movie's called Beginners, and the sort of tagline is, when it comes to relationship, we are all beginners. There's a, I, I did not write that. You did not write that. Sort of a, I don't totally approve of that. <laughs> you don't? Why not? Well, I just wanted it's to ask you about the title. It yeah, sounds like so- such a self-help cliche. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not, it's not entirely a, a, a inaccurate. Bad, yeah. an inaccurate description, but... Um, well, tell me what would be a, a more accurate description. Well, I can't write taglines, but... <laughs> you don't have to do it um, in the form of a tagline. Yeah, to me, um, I was writing a, a letter, you know, as a, as a director trying to, like, get money or describe the film to mm-hmm. potential producers, and I was trying to say, like, yeah, there's a guy that dies in it, but <laughs> he was so hungry for life, and really, truly, he was, like, just getting started. He, was, he had so much he wanted to do, he was just beginning. And when I wrote that, I was like, oh, um, that kind of gets to it, and so that went to beginners and then that really seemed to fit the couple to me 
mm-hmm. and that you know in ways I'm not sure if these people have learned how to endure all the kind of paradoxes and turbulence and ambiguity and lumps and bumps of like a real 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 relationship right so in that way they're just at the end of the film they're just starting to do that you know so would you do you think that it takes a lifetime to to learn these skills well this couple i think that's different for everybody right you know but that's the story of this couple and i like the idea that in the story and the love story that's part of the film the um they go through a bunch of stuff and they end up sitting on the edge of bed looking at each other not sure what's going to happen but definitely loving each other mm-hmm. or, uh, and it's like just the beginning so I really I liked ending the film with the beginning mm-hmm. now you mentioned ambiguities and, and, and complexity and all these kinds of things there's um, and, and paradoxes there's quite a paradox in in the relationship between the father and the son the father uh, comes out of the closet and and so I guess the sort of message and as the film goes on is is that um, the son has a lot to learn from his father um, but some might ask you know what does a, an 85 year old man's gay relationship have uh, has to teach uh, a young straight man yeah well he's he's 75 sorry 75 and, and he comes out in the story and it's this is based on my real dad. And when he, when my dad came out, he um, he came so alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he became so much more like emotionally available and like emotionally fluid. Um, he just sort of like um, started taking risks and started got much more engaged with me and was willing to like fall in love with someone in a very like hot, almost teenagey way, mm-hmm. you know. And that, that that makes you quite vulnerable. And watching that was very contagious and was sort of like a new model of how, um, you know, real love takes you to all these unlikely places, uh, but that's part of it. And um, that's part of the process of, of loving. Hmm. Do you think that a lot of people, regardless, straight, gay, whatever, are too restricted? Mm. It's not restricted, maybe, but it's like uh, a lot of us. I mean, I, I think when I when I wrote this story, um, and part of it's about Oliver and Anna. That's Ian McGregor and Melanie Laurent. Mm-hmm. I definitely know about their emotional issues firsthand, but I also feel like I'm doing a portrait of so many people I know that I feel like if you're born 1965 and up, it's a very common thing to have this like in a ability to totally trust love is going to endure and stay at least for you mm-hmm. you know um, and maybe not have um, just models or practice or a path through the force that shows you how to deal with all that ambiguity and all the kind of ups and downs that real long relationships you know bring do you include uh, the current generation like the current generation yeah, that's sort of coming yeah. in I kind of I mean I don't I'm not a sociologist yeah, sure. but <laughs> just in my experience of mm-hmm. life um, you know, I, I feel like it's all the people born after the after the sixties. Yeah. It's, it, it's much more common, put it that way. And I, w- I would go up I mean, to the I, present. I mean, I would say maybe it's even getting worse. I mean, in the sense that uh, everything's becoming more open and uh, un. You know, the the rules are breaking down with with uh, you know internet dating and just internet uh, the presence of Facebook and every Twitter in our lives. Do you think it's 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 becoming harder in that respect to to sort of find to trust? I guess. 
Well, I don't. I I really I uh, I can't speak that broadly. It's like so big, and everybody's so. <laughs> oh, why different. not? Give, and give it a shot. <laughs> um, and I, you know, speaking generationally like that. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was writing Oliver and Anna, I knew it made sense to me, and I knew it made sense to a lot of like men and women, gay and straight, that were like my age and and younger, and people who I've loved, you know, as friends and as as lovers. I knew that we've all gone through this experience, and I and I, I wanted to write about that and, and talk about that. Great. Well, we've quickly run out of time. Is there anything else you, <laughs> you want to mention? Um, no. Do you want another question or anything? <laughs> why, why do, so why do you laugh? Feel free. Feel free. <laughs> well, uh, I am curious about the the cast. Um, you know, why these particular individuals? Was it a matter of, of them being interested, uh, and it just kind of seamlessly worked out that way? Did you go after you know you and McGregor? Yeah. Christopher well, as a, a director of my standing, which isn't huge or very powerful, you don't think you can get these kind of people. And <laughs> when their names came up, it's like, oh, it's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. But especially this idea of Ewan and Christopher, I really loved as like a father and son, you yeah. know? I felt like it was neat co-casting. And they really have like a, I, or I guess, or just by looking at their faces, I feel like, oh, they could feel like a family. <laughs> right, they you could know? go together side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they did. And that's how I did it. And you see, I just grabbed pictures of them online and listened to interviews with them. I like, ah, I could see them being father and son. But I love that, you know, Ewan, it's really rare to find a famous person a straight male actor that's that willing to be kind of really real and emotionally raw and emotionally vulnerable and and his roles I really feel like oh there's an actor that like goes for it and is like uncareful about himself in the in the best sense of the word like right. in the generous sense of the word and I guess you really needed that for that part yeah and he's very um, yeah he's very he does all that he brings his vulnerability or is able to do that in a way that doesn't feel like broken or neurotic or all that it's just a normal <laughs> part of life which is I really wanted that right. and then Christopher he's just obviously he's an amazing actor but also like it really helps that he's born in the early 30s and he knows all about people are born in that time have a real different relationship to like how much emotions you share they're so stoic <laughs> and they do seem to have like this they have like a access to this subversive sense of humor you know? oh, okay uh, and which is a real key part of the role to me. And then one of the first things Christopher said to me was like, "Oh, I love that he has wit," you know. <laughs> and uh, and I love that Christopher said that. You know, I wanted the, I wanted that, and Christopher knew about that. And then Melanie, I just I needed a kick-ass, smart, strong woman. Hmm. I didn't know she was going to be French. I had no idea. You know, I didn't plan that. But when I saw her stuff, and when she did this audition tape for me, it's like, wow, how. How, what an organic performer. Like, well, how surprising and organic. Hmm. And how strong. And I really wanted the woman to not just be like a sort of fainting female girlfriend. <laughs> right. Like film cliche girlfriend. Right. Something, something more just, full. Yeah, Melanie's like so full and has such strong life force that, uh, that I was so, you know, excited about the idea of her being in. And that's Mike Mills, director of the film Beginners, which opens in cinemas this Friday. That's June the 24th. You know, I still can't figure out why uh, Mike begins to laugh when I ask, when I tell him that we've, we've run out of time and he just, 
he just unloads with this like soulful laughter and it just it gets me i i want to i almost want to call him back and be like why why was that so funny was it because the time blew by and 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 we really hadn't you know got into the things that he'd expected uh, because i know that day he had done uh, he was doing a lot of press interviews and and you know when you do a lot of press interviews you get certain kinds of questions repeatedly um and you you just get used to them and so maybe maybe he was just like really that that's it we're done already but but there's so much more i don't know but anyway uh yeah beginners is in theaters on on friday and we are going to take a quick break and be back here on the arts report i think there's a generosity of spirit to the event that people are able to share it the Vancouver Mini Maker Fair is a two-day celebration of making and creating. It's an all-ages family festival promoting the ethos of DIY on a larger scale. The Vancouver Mini Maker Fair will take you through an inspiring, energetic, and captivating range of exhibits, including workshops, performances, displays, and a speaker series. Some of the features include pyrotechnics, kinetic sculptures, interactive musical installations, and 3D printers that can print themselves. The Vancouver Mini Maker Fair takes place at Great Northern Way Campus June 25th and 26th. For advanced tickets and more information, visit MakerFair, that's F-A-I-R-E, dot C-A. Okay, we're back on the Arts Report. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and uh, this is the end of our program. We've got one more show next week before we go on a summer hiatus. So, um, yeah, so we'll be gone uh, enjoying the beautiful sunshine that finally we're getting here in Vancouver and uh, take a well-needed well rest, I assure you, well-needed, very well-needed uh, rest over the month of July, and then we'll be back in August with uh, tons of coverage, including uh, the Shambhala Music Festival, as well as uh, Fringe uh, is... is uh, coming close to us now is is on the horizon the vancouver fringe festival and uh, this year uh citr has has teamed up once again to do this fringy life which is a podcast series that celebrates all 